Welcome back to Good to Geek Out, good place to go to geek out. Today, we are geeking out about Masters of the Universe, Episode 3, Most Dangerous Man in Eternia, and Episode 4, Land of the Dead. Interesting series. A lot of uh, insights on both sides. A lot of people hating. We're loving, I think, mostly, except for some people on certain parts. <laughs> Editor of San Antonio. Boba Fresh, San Francisco, looking to talk about these episodes with y'all. Nico from Bama. Can't wait to see what other, um, what's the right word? Rants. That's probably going to happen soon enough. Boy Jay from Los Angeles, California, and I'm going to mourn the and here to mourn the, the greatest character of Masters in the Universe. Greatest. Greatest. So episode three and four, we're going to be talking about kind of together, not really chronologically. Uh, but it does open up with Merman on the deck. Skeletor kind of in a flashback with He-Man and Tila. Damn it. Who was Merman's voice? He sounded very familiar. I'll be Mr. Kevin Conroy from Batman. Wonderful. Now this is the second time we're doing it. That makes sense than the build up the other way. Um, so <laughs> watching a man at arms save the day was kind of the theme right here. And this is all going into their quest for uh, both halves of the power sword, which is kind of both episodes. And man at arms makes his appearance here. First time in modern times. What'd you guys think about uh, his flashback? And then also his first appearance at the water fountain of magic. I thought it was cool. I really enjoyed the flashback myself. I felt that the flashback had a old school cartoon vibe, like just the over the topness of everything. Like it was, you know, very cartoony. Again, like we're talking about, they're trying to go out there and sell toys. And, you know, like I clearly want to see this boat toy get 3D printed or manufactured or put out on the market somewhere uh, true to scale. Like we saw that, uh, guy who the castle grayscale true to scale uh some amazing stuff uh in universe i thought it was dope to see merman's larger posse like we see him out of his element almost all the time to like see him like with the squad rolling up taking orders was dope but we see man at arms using technology to take out magic which has already been obviously a theme that's been seeded leading up to this point and i think a great encapsulation plus evil lynn just being like this is the dude <laughs> like, like this is the dude like like i don't know where he-man is half the time i know merman's on call 24 7 merman is strapped every minute he goes to sleep with that helmet on uh <laughs> It was dope. It was dope. So, kind of go into the man at arms story of the future, and we see these uh, the fountain theme and the whole water and magic uh, tied together. We kind of see uh, not just here with the uh, water fountain, the enchanted water fountain that's obviously like running dry. Eternia is going bad. And uh, later, I think it's in the same episode or it's in the next one. Oh, it's the next one. When uh, they're in Trolla uh, with Orko and Evelyn. And they're talking about how the fountain used to be bountiful and now it's dry and no one's around and uh, water magic tied together. And obviously magic is very, very uh, thin and on its last leg here. And it's affecting people like 
Orko, who we are introduced here as well through Man at Arms. It's the whole reason he saved the Enchanted Water. The greatest um, character yeah. yeah, I mean, we got two good characters introduced very quickly. And um, oh, you know, one thing I did want to talk about uh, we didn't last well, time. Hold was... on, hold on. Before you get off of that, I want to go back to the uh, water thing. Well, see, I think it's interesting because the water theme throughout is, I think, almost. It's not an homage, but like an allusion to the old school 80s. Like we have to talk about something other, like we have to educate you some way. And so there is like this, I'm not going to say like direct correlation to climate change, but the magic water is running out. Like the scarcity of this natural resource is affecting people and they're fighting for it. And like they're having to claw back and forth, but it's not like Captain Planet <laughs> levels per se. But we also see water standing in for, again, like the fluidity of the ghost on Orko's world. We see water being the form of the baptism in Triclops's religion. We see, you know, like, again, the, the symbol of the people, you know, like lining up at the fountain, very orderly. I want to give people of attorney a very, some credit on some like standing in line, like during the worst fucking case of shit. Until you um, take too long. But yeah, so I think it's all there. And I also thought it was cool that the way that the, the water is kind of colored in, like, especially like, you know, like the Triclops water and the, the magic water, like it's almost like that old Energon uh, Transformers extra, yeah. you know, it's obviously not hand-drawn or hand-colored. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a cool little thematic tie-in. So speaking of Evelyn, uh, I think this is the first time we see Beastman protect her aggressively and kind of Profess simp, his simp, simp, undying simp, love for simp, her. I don't simp, know how to put it. Simp, 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 simp. simp I'm sorry. I don't. Okay, look. I guess it is a animal mentality to go toward the alpha, and he never liked Triclops from the get go. So I guess that's the reason why he's going to go after Evil Lim. But I'm sorry. It felt fake and to you, or it's just I don't no no it's not, not that it felt fake. I'm just saying, God damn, could you? I mean, I'm I, I hate to say I hate I hate to use this term, but I'm getting them neck beer vibes out of Eastman, and I don't want to say it, but it's true. <laughs> I agree that I think that the heavy-handedness of his sudden concern for her was a little jarring, but again, we've already talked about like so much is happening in the short amount of episodes that this has been given as opposed to something else. Fucking Bad Batch is on episode 15 going on 16. Like imagine if this had that many episodes to really uh, develop the their it out, It would, yeah, it, I, I guess that's it. Um, so so I think that going to the the, Beastman simp slash defaulting to the alpha also kind of hints to his defaulting to Skeletor and Skeletor like he cowered in front of Skeletor like a, you know like a beat puppy as opposed to like Evil Inn where he's like really like latched on in a you know a much different vibe we will say. I mean okay, you guys bring up interesting point like that Tila um, Evil Inn conversation on the bow on the, the ship that hopefully we made it to a toy one day. Um, that I think, depending on who you are as a He-Man fan, you look at that conversation very differently. Like if you're one of those staunch um, 
He-Man isn't in this show enough. It's supposed to be He-Man and the Master of the Universe. You're going to be really annoyed and offended by this scene. That's pretty well written and pretty well uh, acted out, I guess, through voice acting. Um, what did you guys think about that? Like, did it offend you? Did you appreciate it? Like, what you liked? Did anything stand out? Because I know there's a lot of, like, issue with the series kind of part of this scene is, is a big part of it. I didn't find nothing wrong with this scene. Again, you're going, you're going, you're hitting all the, you're hitting all the plot points. We're going on a quest. Look, he's not around. The women are taking over. I'm still invested in the story because I want to know what's going on. Look, now as far as Prince Adam and Tila, okay, look, man, because he's a teenage boy. Okay, Tila's older than him, right? By how much? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't think that was ever, I don't think that was ever said so, exactly so by how much. Saying, so what you're saying, you're saying that Prince Adam can't learn early? I didn't think he was a teenager. Again, all he does is change his clothes. Like Cringer goes, Cringer undergoes a transformation. Hey, he just puts on a. True, but well, not in the, two, on, in the 2001 look, series. He puts on. Somebody got to be a man sometime. Somebody got to be a. Hey, he puts on, be fur, a man sometime, he puts on fur underwear and <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a leather suspender holding up nothing. So you so, saying the king didn't have that talk with him about being a man? Yeah. I'm just saying that the king question. <laughs> all right. All right. Dep depending on what series we're going by, maybe Tila and Adam were the same age. But in this series, in the 2001 series, Tila yeah. even said it. He is a teenager. Mm -hmm. Can we go back? Speaking of men at arms, can we go back to that scene? You know, where he's down, Duncan is down and kissing him and kissing, you know, Tila's hand and basically saying and begging for forgiveness. And he's saying, you know what? I will tell you everything from now on. And Tila's like, forget all that. What I need you to do is go protect the sorceress. You want me to go there and I can be at your side? He's like, well, yeah. OK, well, if I'm going to do that, Tila, then I need to tell you something. And this is like, okay, we're about to find out, but Evil Lynn just interrupts it. Now, don't get me wrong. Evil Lynn is the necessary person to be like, look, man, forget this. You know, let's just stay on task. But look, man, I want to find out what the secrets are. Let the that man right make it there up. is becoming a running joke. It is becoming it is. a running joke throughout this whole entire series because it happened. It happened in episode two. It happened in episode three. It happens in episode four, and it happens and it happens again in episode five. I, th I think it's becoming uh, it's replacing the running joke that everyone knows Prince Adam is He Man except for Tila. So now, now the running joke is she doesn't know. Everyone else knows who her mom is, but she doesn't know that now. And I forget. You know what? I take that back. I forgot. It, they do. They do hint about it in episode one because. I'm sorry, why Why else are you going to stay? And I quote, I wanted to see you again one last time. Oh yeah, when she shows up. <laughs> well, well, she did know. She did know in the old cartoon, but they erased her memories though. No, she no, 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 I'm talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the first, I was, because I was saying it was becoming a, a running joke. It started oh, okay. in episode, it started in episode one and it's continuing, is literally still continuing, continuing on. Mm. 
right. So, okay. like, like now going towards uh, fourth episode, Land of the Dead, uh, we get to go to Subternia, and we meet a character called Scareglow. I don't think they really say it very much in the episode. So, for those who don't know, Scareglow, the character is like one of the rare finds. If you're a toy collector for He-Man, uh, it's one of the characters that came out after the show got canceled. So it was a limited run. And on top of that, it was never he was never really a character in the uh, cartoon. I don't even I don't know if he was in the comics. If it was, it was far after. Um, but the, the theories were since he had a limited background was that he's either Skeletor's ghost, which it kind of seems like he's in this episode when he mentions uh, knowing the name Skeletor, or that he's Skeletor from the future. Which, if you notice, when he's not glowing green, he looks like he's wearing tattered uh, clothing of Skeletor. Like he is Skeletor from the future. Um, either way, it's not really described. I just wanted to bring it to attention because it is. If you're if you're a He Man fan from like the '80s, uh, Scareglow might not show up on your radar if you watch the cartoon. But if you still follow it and like just the media and the buzz behind it, even though there was no cartoon till recently, there's a lot. And uh, Scareglow was like one of those uh, what's sort Moby Dick, like a white whale of, of sorts for collectors. You are correct. Um, I heard vaguely about Scareglow. Um, I didn't know. You know what? I thought he was. This is just me. I thought he was Skeletor's father. I, I don't know why I thought that, but yeah, I thought he was the dad of of a uh, of a Skeletor. Um, I forgot to say one thing before we get into episode four was uh, episode three of uh, the on the fact of Orko was that uh, you know. Uh, for me, I didn't like seeing him like that. Uh, you know, I I can understand why he is sick because um, I don't know if you guys read the comic books or anything like that. But the thing is, magic really empowers him to the point where it's like if he was on his plan of trolling, um, he would be ultra powerful because Skeletor admitted in the comic books that he could not he, he can best him in hand to hand combat. Hand to hand combat, he's nothing. He him, but if he tried to do magic against him, he would fail miserably. He couldn't beat him. So it's, it's hard to see him like this because he's, you know, my favorite character. And I'm like, the fact that he went out to go one, you know, I'm like, hey, I want one last adventure. It's like, damn, you know, I hate to kind of see him like this. So, yeah, it's like, I hope he's, you know, and watching the episode, I was like, man, I hope he's well protected. So it's, it's cool. But let's Going to four. Well, you know, four, yeah, you know, I mean, well, four was an interesting development because I didn't expect that. I mean, we don't really focus too much on Orko, and it was very, it was very interesting to see. I always thought it was a play on his name, but to find out that his actual name is Oracle, because he was supposed to be the chosen one out of Trollin to basically, you know. Be be the one that's right behind He Man's side, you know. And and true enough that he was. Yeah, he may be, he may be, you know, he may be, you know, goofy. He may mess up spells and stuff like that. But when he really came to tight spots and back in the old days, he yeah, he came through for He Man. He did. He came through for He Man. Yeah. Parentheses. We need to see more of Evil Lynn with her hair down. That is incredibly hot. But but going back into it, um. I, I, I saw something like I saw development 
I saw development between Orko and, and Evil Lynn, and it's like, man, that was interesting to see. I don't know if it's, you know, like she has a thought, like she cares, or maybe she's, you know, coming around. I don't know what hers confusing, because back in episode three, she was talking about man in arms, like, no, oh, you want to talk about a dangerous guy? That's a dangerous guy. So I'm like, well, dang, are you getting wet for man in arms, or and now well, you're showing a soft again, side of Orko? So again, yeah. your your imagery aside. Um, <laughs> it stays with the consistent fact that we've been pointing out. Orko shows that he is powerful. Evelyn is attracted to power. It is odd because this weird romantic tension that's developing between the two is not, doesn't look like it'll work. I'm not sure how that works, but I know that there's female Orcos on Orko's planet. I've seen them. So we know that they, they do it somehow. Um, I'm actually surprised. I will be honest. I'm surprised that you were for the Oracle twist. Um, that one's that one seemed like a cocktail napkin, like brain uh, brainstorm. Like, okay, whoa, what if his name was like uh, Oracle or Oracle? Oh, okay, thinking, All right, well, we're gonna throw that out in the next draft. Like that was okay, but that shouldn't. I honestly. I honestly, if you want to go back to the old 80s cartoon, I hated it. I wish they would have kept the whole entire thing a secret. Because you remember in the old 80s cartoon, they only revealed their true name to their mates. Yeah, correct. Yeah. He has so, a mate, though. He has a mate. I know. Orko no, has a but, girlfriend. But, but no, 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 no. But you remember in that episode, even in that episode, we never saw their face. We yeah. didn't know their names. Well, we knew her name. Her name is Dree L. Her name is Dree L. She came out in one episode. Yeah, I remember that. She, yeah, he has a girlfriend. So but that's to go to her point, I think that Orko sharing his true name, knowing that they only share their names with their partners, is oh. again this level of romance that's happening between the two. Because he's not sharing it with anyone else, right? Like, oh, he only tells her, right? Like, yeah, he only tells her. He only man, told that's some of that. That's some of that pawn far right there. That's some of that. Mm -hmm, that's some of that. When, uh, <laughs> when he does that save at the end, uh, which is kind of like a Dragon Ball Z power up, he just keeps getting more and more powerful till he beats him. Um, but then he perishes. We assume. I mean, he could come back. When magic comes back we don't know that yet but how did you feel in that moment did you feel like your great character orko got his uh um, gold watch per se no, no i didn't oh i didn't uh, uh when i saw it i went uh, um what i literally thought was if i see kevin smith i want to punch him in the mouth but um basically <laughs> um you know he complains about people complaining that he killed he-man but he killed but i feel like he tried to kill off one of the one of the most major major characters in the show, um, the guy who basically had you know saved He Man's He Man's butt more times than Tila. Who would think that Skeletor, the guy, the girl, be the girl that that's in so love with Skeletor would ever fall for the trollin who backs up He Man? Like who would ever think that? Opposites attract, you know. So you know, I want to see more of it, and it, it's more like Kevin Smith had. And invested and then he just took it and, and destroyed it 
And I, I think he did it for shock value. I mean, he was going with a role with the whole plant man thing. But I feel like storyline wise, um, obviously bias wise, I'm not really cool with this, but storyline wise, I felt like it could have been more, he, he could have saved that big bang for either the second season or for the actual final fight. And again, I feel I, like this is his time to go. I, I feel that your reaction is what makes this successful art. The, the fact that it's elicited a, I want to go punch a person in the face for writing something down on a piece of paper. Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty powerful art. Like that, that's really evocative stuff. And, uh, I think that Orko is the only character which could provoke that much emotional resonance with us, considering there's only five episodes, who they can kill. They can't kill, I think Battle Cat Cringer would be the only other person that could be killed off, but they need to sell that toy. That's been on the shelves already. We already know that that exists as opposed to the limited runs of the Orko dolls that have already been out. Um, in the fact that they don't have Orko go out like a punk. Um, he does go Super Saiyan. Like he really does hold everything back. Like the universe is saved because of Orko's one key action right here. And Orko's the type of hero to lay his life down on the line to quote uh, Captain America. Like we see that even though he's the last of his kind he would still sacrifice himself if it meant that the universe itself can go on. So, so, so in a sense, Kevin Smith, I felt like Kevin Smith got rid of Orko because he didn't feel like anybody cared about him. So it doesn't matter if I write a letter or if I sit up there and get mad. And he's like, oh, well, well no one can. He, as a director, he can say, well, no one cares about Orko. I'm just going to kill him off just for shock value because he was there. You know, I don't have to develop a, a damn story for him because who cares about that guy? You know, so it's cool. He'll I don't think Orko's I don't think Orko's death was just thrown away, though. I think that Moss Man, I think I agree with you in the episode one for shock value. They're like, oh, we're killing motherfuckers in this shit. Because um, in the next episode, you know, Trapjaw catches a bad one. So they, they're like showing off the lethality of. But that, but that, doesn't, that doesn't count because it came right back. Yeah. I will, I will say this and then I'll let everybody close. I, I will say this uh, after seeing that death. I was fine with it. I was oh, I was excited to see the relationship between Evil Lynn and Orko. But after his death, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I I, I just didn't want to say nothing. I just looked at it and just even, even Evil Lynn uh whipping her hair out from underneath that helmet didn't wasn't enough for you to get over the death of Orko? Oh hell no. Look, I'm his girlfriend and I already knew. I know this again. I knew this for weeks that when he saw this episode, the conniption was coming. <laughs> I was basically thinking, do I let, do I warn him? Do I let him know? Nah, I'm going to see what happens. I, oh, oh, one thing I, I did want to say when we see pre Turnia, that is the Eternia action playset. It's like one of the early toys from the He Man. Uh, toy line that we never see in the cartoon. I don't think we even see it in the comic book. We might see it in the mini comics, but this is the first time we've ever seen. I don't know. Do we see it in the 2001 series? That version that kind of looks like a Thundercat almost? Looks like a Thundercat uh, base? I don't think so. I don't I don't think it's in the 2001, but it was just a very early design 
that they kind of let go of Eternia being and to bring it up as pre-Eternia was kind of cool. Um, and then, you know, that was cool. and then pre-Eternia itself is pretty cool as we go into yeah. the next episode. But we are not talking about that now because this is the end of this one. Uh, editor San Antonio, closing it out. Thanks for listening to us. Hope you enjoyed. Like, comment, subscribe. Do whatever the fuck you feel and never follow Method Man Red Man Lake. This is Mr. Roboto with the brain imprints of Red Man at Arms. Nico here from Bama. This is Jay saying that Oracle will be back if I don't wring Kevin Smith's neck. Oh, come here so I can. Okay. Don't get our show. Los Angeles, California. I'll nurse your wounds later. Oh, shit. Peace. Like, subscribe. Punch me in the face. No, don't do that. <laughs>